Tonight. And tonight we're doing a very special show, so I'm just going to say that I am here with Justin and Tony, and we also have a very special guest from Earth Destruction Directive. We've got Luke Giaconetti with us on the line, and we are here tonight to talk some Common Rider Heisei Generations, Dr. Pac-Man versus X-Aid and Ghost with Legendary Riders. 
So this is a big movie war crossover event between Kamen Rider X8 and Kamen Rider Ghost, and it also includes the iconic video game character Pac-Man. What more do you want to entice you to watch this movie? Of course, we were all privy to this movie when it was released in Japan in theaters on December 10th in 2016, and then later it was released on DVD and Blu-ray in 2017, and of course, wonderful fan subbers then picked it up so we could all understand what the hell was going on, and here we are tonight doing a team-up of our own with Earth Destruction Directive and Fan Holes Podcast, and we're all ready to talk about the movie, but I just want to let everybody introduce themselves who's on the call tonight, and and sort of let everybody know who's here. So, shout out, guys. Hey, this is Justin, and I'll clear this podcast with no continues. Hey, guys, this is Tony, and yeah, you mentioned Pac-Man, Derek, but what about Xevious? <laughs> <laughs> and this is Luke Giaconetti from Earth Destruction Directive. Thank you very much for having me on, guys. And all I have to say is, it's showtime! All right. So, yeah, so so I'm, I'm just going to start getting into this, because this is... This, I, I know that there's been a lot of involved kind of crossover movies that we've talked about before, but of course, I, I always, you know, some peeling behind the curtain type stuff, I, I usually always say to all the other fan holes, I'm like, let's just do a movie, because that's not as big of time investment as like, you know, a 50 episode series or whatever. Well, I was totally wrong about this, because this is, you know, like so much stuff happens in this. It's it's like, you know, you got to keep track of every little thing and stuff like that. And I did my best to make it kind of a, I'm not going to say it's a brief synopsis, but let me put it this way. On the, the Toku Wiki page, like there's about 50 fucking paragraphs that describe what happens in this movie. On the Wikipedia page, there's like maybe six or seven poorly written, shitty piece of shit paragraphs that describe what happens on this. And I think I whittled it down to like, you know, 12 paragraphs, and they're short <laughs> and concise, and, and, and they, they're written in English. So bear with me, but I'm, I'm going to sort of, you know, go through the synopsis, but kind of like we tend to do on these things, you know, people will just interject and probably, you know, shoot the breeze and say some things, insert as we go and everything. But this film, Kamen Rider Heisei Generations, opens up with a terrorist attack on the Gem Corporation by a trio of white-suited attackers who open fire on the lobby crowd with machine guns. They kill the lobby security guards with gunfire, and in one case, snap the neck of another lobby security guard, clearing the way for their leader, who is Dr. Pac-Man! He's this guy in a long white coat, and of course, his head kind of has this large, round, circular Pac-Man-looking face, but instead of the kind of friendly, happy-go-lucky Namco Pac-Man that we're all used to, he almost looks like you know, Pac-Man's been venomized, you know, he's got kind of a creepy face with, with kind of slanted evil eyes and fangs protruding out of his Pac-Man-like mouth. And boy, does his, his voice just match so well. Yeah. I, I don't know about you guys, but, like, the, the only thing I was going to say about this opening is, I thought it was played pretty seriously, but y y the only thing I kind of couldn't take seriously is you know how like all the gunfire was sort of just cgi so it's almost like they're playing with phasers on star trek with like no no kickback or anything like that that was the only thing that kind of kind of took me out of the the moment but i mean you know when when they start snapping people's necks and shooting people i get that it's like 
sort of, you know, serious stuff. But at the same time, there was kind of like that balance that I thought sort of it was harder for me to suspend my disbelief in the opening sequence. But I'm not sure if you guys even care about that or you just kind of chalk it up to, all right, well, that's the budget they had and they didn't want to use, you know, real squibs or or, you know, kind of blanks or, you know, whatever other alternatives they could have gone with. But this kind of reminds me of like a a sort of fan film production type special effect, you know, like, like, you know, something the nostalgia critic would do where he'd just like, you know, wail his arm around with a, with a, you know, fake plastic gun and then kind of, you know, in post and like, you know, (laughs) after effects. (laughs) Yeah. After effects has a bunch of like gunfire and stuff, you know, and that, that's kind of how I felt about some of this opening stuff, even though, you know, you're supposed to take it, you know, seriously, it, it, it kind of, it kind of almost fell off the, the fence for me but I, I don't know what you guys felt about that well that's a that's kind of a common way that they they do the you know gunfire and stuff like that in the modern tokusatsu shows just because they don't you know they don't do it like it was in the 70s with the the really bad squibs and stuff like right, that right. so the the thing that really more so than the effects that really stood out for this to me is just the level of of gunplay and violence i mean you know understand we're american you know so we're used to you know seeing images of guns and stuff like that but in Japan, that's very rare. And to see guys, you know, toting machine guns on the street, you know, just toting a weapon on the street, you'd never have that in Japan. So well, that's, you know, that that to me was just kind of a, a striking image to start with, you know, something like that, which is, you know, just an alien concept to, mo- would be an alien concept, I'd imagine, to most Japanese viewers. You know, a terrorist attack using automatic weapons in, you know, it's just not something that you'd, you'd imagine. Yeah, uh, coming from Bandai, the ARL 76 Gashikon yeah. killer. Well, not only that, but this is like the difference between like Japanese and American productions because like you would never have this kind of scene in like an American production, like a bunch of like people rushing in with like realistic guns and shooting people. Like that would never fly over here. I, I will say though, Derek, even if you had some uh, small technical or, or uh, cinematic flaws with this. All three of the bad guys look pretty fucking badass. Yeah, they've got they've they've got a lot of cool looks to them and everything. I I basically you know I I kind of wrote up their their descriptions and that's probably how I'm going to refer to them for the duration of this this synopsis slash you know podcast. But you know the the first guy that is probably a real to life wrestler in Japan. I'm guessing I called him the long haired big guy wrestler guy. And then there is the the skinny, lanky guy. And, of course, they're all dressed in white. And then, of course, there's that little hottie in the short shorts who's really an evil, sexy, super sentai lady in disguise. So, you know, th- th- there are those three that that are, you know, making the rounds. And, of course, you know, they're sort of paving the way for, for Dr. Pac-Man to, to come in on the scene. And and at that point, basically, you, you see Dan Kuroto, the CEO of Gem Corporation, and he appears to be really well-known by his attackers, and he is relieved of his proto-writer Gashats and his Gashikon bug visor by Dr. Pac-Man and his compatriots. And so the long-haired wrestler big guy injects himself with one of the stolen Gashats and henshins into the robot bugster who quickly dispenses with the surrounding police blockade by unleashing a ginormous shockwave into their path. 
And then we're introduced to our lead characters of this film. There's a high school game developer named Togo who is assaulted by a swarm of Pac-Men. Hospital intern Emu Hojo, a.k.a. Common Rider X-Aid, who hears of all the emergencies from his nurse, Poppy Pipopo, or Asuna Carino, <laughs> and university student Takaru Tenkuji, a.k.a. Common Rider Ghost, who is advised of a strange supernatural phenomenon going on by his friends Akari and Onari. And both of our Kamen Rider heroes arrive on the scene to witness this pandemic gripping Japan as the Pac-Men are transmitting a virus to all the victims with their bites. The Pac-Men quickly focus their attack on Takaru eliminating his ability to henshin as his ghost driver vanishes and the Ore ghost icon proves useless after the assault on his person. Emu then henshins into Kamen Rider X-Aid Action Gamer Level 1 to battle the virus. And we get this opening title sequence that kind of, I guess, I, I, it's kind of a spoiler, sort of. Like, I mean, I guess it's the selling point of the movie, but, you know, you've got all these posters with the five featured franchise writers of the film, right? You've got X-Aid, Ghost, yep. and then you've got, you know, the the legendary writers, which are part of the, the build package in this little mini intro, which is Wizard, Gaim, and Drive. But I, I, I'd be kind of interested, like, you know, maybe if this was made at a different time, a different age, you know, a different way of marketing stuff where things were still left, you know, there were still some surprises left in the world. You know, you didn't have internet spoiling everything or whatever. Like, th there might have been a version of this movie where, you know, it just had this opening with x and Ghost team up and then you were sort of surprised when when Wizard Gaim and Drive show up later. But I guess in this sense, it's more about Maybe the anticipation. I don't know. I I, I figured I'd open that up because I I thought it was maybe a an interesting topic of discussion, like how you guys felt about this kind of intro. Like, were you happy about it? Do do you just sort of, you know, are you resigned that that's how sort of things are done today? Like, I, I'm just kind of curious. I I think one thing that's like you know that was kind of fun about the Wizard and Guy movie that me and Luke did is the you know it was like you know this great you know the great Sengoku War they threw a lot of common riders at us, but we didn't know. Like you guys, you know, when we were talking about, it, I was like, man, when ooze came out, I was like, man, fucking cool. And then like, we had Forza just show up and we didn't know they were going to be there. And it was like very cool and very like, you know, and it was also a cool mystery. If you haven't listened to the podcast or watched the show, you'll understand. But like when we saw those characters die, we were like, no man, you're killing my dude. But then we learned that they weren't really them. And it was like a nice little story within a story. Kind of, kind of burying the lead is a little annoying. Because, you know, you kind of want to see them be, you know, make that surprise, you know, appearance. As far as I go, into something I'll get into later about how some of these characters show up, it kind of is okay. Because, yeah, some things are a little grumpy to me. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're and it's it's one of those things, you know, my, my uh, you know, I'm more of a Daikaiju guy than anything else. And, you know, if Toho has told us anything, it's that you put the names of the people, the names of the monsters in the movie up front. You know, <laughs> and they they especially got bad about this in the in the Millennium series. You know, uh, where movies just you know they're, they're like GMK is known as GMK because it's oh Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah. You know, it's like Baragon doesn't rate, but everybody else, the important people are there. So yeah, you know, it's, it's I just kind of I mean I expected it. I, I was hoping that even though they showed us these characters at the beginning, that they might surprise us with something uh, a little different. 
And and they they did. I'll get to it when we when we talk about uh, one of the characters that you know I didn't even notice they were in that title card, and so when they showed up, I was like, hey, holy crap, you know. So <laughs> so by not paying attention, I did myself a big service. <laughs> what what about you, Justin? Do you you have any thoughts about the the intro one way or the other? Not really. I mean, it's just a different way of selling it, I guess, because you know every year they have the current writer meet the previous one, and that's pretty much the standard. But selling it where you get you know, it's like, oh, you don't get just two writers. You get, you're going to get like five in right, total. You're going right. to get like, you know, a big team up. Like that's a, that's a bigger selling point. So I, I can totally see why they would be want to be up front with that and get butts and seats. Yeah, yeah, I, I you get. Also get more toys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so basically, at this point, it turns out that the white suited agents of Doctor Pac-Man are targeting the high school game developer called Togo, who collapses in front of Takaru. And this time, the skinny, lanky guy injects himself with one of the proto-gashats and henshins into the Dragonite Bugster. And Xade then levels up into Action Gamer Level 2 to fight the Bugster. Takaru and the supporting cast flee with Togo, but the little, evil, sexy Super Sentai lady with the short shorts is in hot pursuit. Takaru and Xade are defeated by the Short Shorts Lady and Drago Knight Bugster and are left powerless, detransformed on the garage floor as Dr. Pac-Man and his cronies laugh and walk away in slow-mo. Hiro Kagami, a.k.a. Kamen Rider Brave, and Poppy Pipopo provide some much-needed exposition on the seriousness and size of the pandemic that Japan is facing, and that Pac-Man, as a video game character, is not inherently evil and must be being controlled by some kind of evil outside force. Also, Emu figures out that Ghost only lost his ability to henshin rather than get infected with a fever like everyone else because typically Pac-Man eats ghosts in his self-titled video game. I'm sorry, that, I'm sorry, excuse me, that was awesome. That was so great, wasn't it? <laughs> that was very clever, of course, yeah. I, my note is, of course, Pac-Man eats ghosts. It's like, oh, why didn't I think of that? I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 yeah, yeah, no, that's... The... I have, I, I have... I have just two things really quick. Like yeah, yeah. in in the background when all the like when all the tiny Pac-Man are running wild, like right before they like start attacking Ghost, like you can see like this news reporter, like that's Mika Kikuchi, aka Umiko Deka Peak from Tokso Sentai Deka Ranger. Oh, cool. And the the other thing I want to mention really quick is like I'm not exactly crazy about the character Onari from Kamen Rider Ghost, but like. When there's that moment when, you know, they're talking to the like head secretariat of, you know, health and ministry or whatever, like he says, you know, poppy peepo po, and he, there's like a beat and he just like, he goes, <laughs> he's like, what? He, he just, <laughs> yeah, how ridiculous that name is. And then she's like, you know, costume change, and she pops out, and he's just like, oh my god, what is this? Yeah, I, I, I thought that was genuinely very funny. Like, I know I know we've had a lot of criticism of the character Onari in Kamen Rider Ghost, that a lot of his humor seemed kind of forced, or that he had these kind of wild and crazy antics that didn't, you know, didn't seem genuine. They they didn't come from a, a, 
I guess as as much as as it sounds funny, you know how sometimes when comedy comes from a grounded place, you know you you feel like it's it's more natural kind of humor as opposed to kind of this this over the top slapstick, you know, hit you over the head type joke. And 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 for some reason, like maybe it's just because of the screen time that he had in this, and he wasn't. You know, it wasn't like, dude, it's a whole movie about Jar Jar. You know, like it wasn't like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like that he just he had his key moments and he sold them really well. Like, I I really did think that when he freaked out about Poppy Peepopo, like that was that was like a money scene for him. Like that made me kind of, re, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, all right, I will reevaluate Onari. Like he he's definitely I I, I can't speak for you know, the entire ghost series or, or any of the other movies that we have seen. But I could say for this movie, that character does not annoy me in this movie. I, I think he was really toned down in the movies a lot because I've seen a couple of ghost related movies and I won't spoil anything. And I don't think this does spoil anything when I say that his character is toned down and he's a lot more yeah. likable. You know, it's pretty much like, you know, do you want to see Jim Carrey be the mask or do you want to see Jim Carrey be the Riddler? And in the ghost TV show, he's the Riddler, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's just stop. I was going to ask you, Derek, you, you said a uh, super cute Sentai lady. I am sadly not as up on Sentai as I should be as I am with Common Rider. Which Sentai suit actor or is she a ranger or am I just in the dark? Yeah, she's she's a ranger. Uh, Justin, you're going to have to help me out. Which which series is she? She's like a yellow ranger, right? I'm not really sure. Oh, okay. Let me... Let, I know she's one of them. To be fair, listeners, you know, the short shorts are kind of bedazzling and do kind of short... Yeah, they, so. they are quite bedazzling. Oh, I was going to say, you know, we, you know, I mean, long-time listeners to fan holes know that a good pair of hot pants can shut down this podcast in an instant, you know? Exactly. Yeah, As yeah. we saw on the, uh, you know, the Wizard Guy movie, Team Hot Pants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I would like to think in my own head canon, she was the badass member who lived after the whole, like, you know, Yggdrasil thing and, like, you know, turned into a badass samurai chick. <laughs> okay, here we go. She was in episodes 29 and 30 of Shuriken Sentai Ninja, so I think she was either one of the... I don't know, I, I didn't watch that show, but she's definitely... She was definitely in the Ninja, and then she was... Oh, and she's also in Ultraman Geed right now. Hmm. Or Geed, oh. sorry. Geed. Geed. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I know who she is. She was like a love interest for Takahara. Okay. Yeah, she was like in... Yeah, she was in like two, two episodes. Two episodes. Yeah. Okay. So, fair enough. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, you know... I'm I'm reaching for the sexy evil Sentai lady thing, but you know, sort of, <laughs> kind of. Considering they do a lot of close-ups on her, is that her actual ability, or does she have like a stunt double, or do you know? I think it's her because wow. I think she's really good. I think I think they they say on the the wiki page that she's a practitioner of Tai Chi, so I I would assume some of it is her. Yeah, she, she might be like a what's her face from Common Rider Guy. You know how she was like the stunt lady and and you know, did her own suit work and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I would assume that this, this lady does some of her own stunt work too. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not like, you know, trying to delve into it just for the hot pensu, but she is really good. She's a great like fighter. And I don't know if she helped choreograph, don't care, but when she's fighting, you are like, just like, damn, this bitch is badass. She, she does kick a lot of ass. She reminds me a lot. I'm going a little deeper of Pi from the Virtua Fighter game. Okay. You know, I, I know there's there's a Tekken character, which would be more appropriate because of the Namco connection. I'm more familiar with Virtua <laughs> Fighter than with Tekken. But, you know, that's just the way she fights. I mean, she's always, you know, she she's she just really, I you know, when I was watching this, because I, I haven't really, I haven't 
haven't watched X-Aid. But I'm like, okay, well, if she's powered by a video game, she's got to be like a 3D fighting game, right? Because of the way she's kicking everybody's ass. And, you know, <laughs> she looks like a polygonal fighting game character out there kicking everybody's ass. So, yeah, she she was awesome. More so even than the, the other two guys. You knew that she was... And she has a great attitude because she says later, she's like, oh, I think they need a spanking. I'm like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, please spank me in your, in your short shorts. You know, exactly. I thought it was funny. The second bugster is called the Drago Knight Hunter Zed. And all I could think of was Kamen Rider Dragon Knight, you mm. know, with the name. Even though it okay. doesn't look anything like like any of the characters from Dragon Knight, which was was that Ryuki, right? Yeah. Yes. Not to ruin anything, but I don't think it does. A lot of the proto gash hats are a part of XA2, so you will see some of the things you see in this movie show up in the show too. Ah, okay. Well, yeah. the other thing I thought was interesting is that for whatever reason, the three proto gash hats they've all got like the dome heads, and I don't know if any of you guys ever watched VR Troopers. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or or Matalder, you know, one of the, one yeah. of the shows it yeah. was adapted from one of the one of the recurring henchmen bad guys on that i think he's devastator i think is his name or something like that in the u.s dub has a dome like that and that's what he made me think of was the, some of the bad guys from Matalder. again i think that's probably just coincidental you know at this point there's been there's only so many designs you can do that they don't start looking somewhat similar but that's what it made me think of yeah. like like one of the guys he's literally supposed to be like you know robo you know like he's a robot so I mean, there's probably not done that there's a specific connection or anything, but like you're saying, within that that same arena, you know, you're bound to get, you know, similar looking kind of, you know, tokusatsu concepts, whether it's the metal heroes or or common rider stuff, you know, if they're both, you know, yeah. robotic. We're we're then introduced to Taiga Hanata, aka common rider Snipe, and of course Dan Kuroto is back on the scene, and he's there to ask for help recovering the stolen proto gashats and kuroto denies knowing who dr pac-man and his crew were to emu even though we the audience knows he's actually withholding that intel emu and takaru sort of have this heart-to-heart -heart of their individual raison d'etres on the rooftop of saito university hospital Dan Kuroto interrupts them and asks to use the Ore icon of Takaru to work on a cure to the virus. Meanwhile, Hiro is keeping tabs on Togu for the same reasons. Takaru, Akari, and Onari seek out additional help in the form of Tomari Sinosuke, aka Common Rider Drive. Sinosuke uncovers that Dr. Pac-Man's colleagues are all connected to the Next Genome Center as former gene therapy researchers. Shinosuke also suspects that the identity of Dr. Pac-Man is Michihiko Zaizen, the head of the Next Genome Research Center. However, current records are showing that they all died six years prior. I'm just going to interject here and say, you know, of course, maybe I'm biased because... Drive is probably one of the first Kamen Rider shows I watched from start to finish just for pure enjoyment, you know, not based on podcasting or anything like that. And, you know, when Shinosuke is reintroduced, like, in that, at this point in the film, like, I mean, that's that's kind of the beauty of this, is you're, you're sort of waiting for everybody's introductions, whoever your, your favorites or your, your beloved kind of characters that you you knew you know from other series and stuff like that but like that i don't know what it is about that moment but just seeing him on screen again talking with 
with Takaru and and his buddies, like it just kind of filled my heart with joy. You're hearing that music? Yeah, yeah. I was just kind of like, yeah. yeah, this is like he's badass. Like this is great. Like I'm happy to see him again. And it's a perfect way to bring him back because being a police officer, yeah. it's logical. It's not much the leap that okay, they're gonna go to the police and okay, naturally if they go to the police in a common rider film, they're gonna talk Shinnesuke. So that was. I, I, I'm with you. I really enjoyed Drive. So seeing him come back was really a, a treat. And like I said, they like you said, they did a great job of introducing him back. And it was a real kind of fist pump moment yeah, for yeah. any Drive fan in the audience. Like two of the characters in the Kamen Rider universe, I think, could always be a part of anything are Shinosuke and Kamen Rider Double. Because one's a detective or a PI and the other's a cop. So if there's some weird shit going down it makes sense for them to be there. Derek, I may not be as big a fan of Drive as you are, but I am a fan. I think it's a really good series. And Shinosuke is badass. I, I, I totally give him props. He's a badass character, and he, he's one of the few common writers who's equally interesting in his regular job as he is as a common writer. Yeah. Yeah. I would add, you know, honestly, uh, Tony, I'd, I'd add X Aiden there, too, because the idea of a doctor is another one that you can get involved in different ways in a story. You know, we, we covered this when we did the Showa versus Heisei. Who was it? Was it uh, was it Fives oh, oh, or something? Yeah. Was working as a doctor? Y yeah, he was working with um, what's his face? The... Working with with uh, with Common Rider X, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, right? yeah. And so, but the but the idea again of a doctor is another way that you can kind of sidewall people into the story. So I, I don't I get I don't know if that's a conscious decision by having characters that have you know interesting things going on when they're not you know an armored grasshopper mm. fighting monsters. Mm. <laughs> you know I mean w w you'll do that you know you'll get that on your big jobs but you know. <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's, it's easier to see like you know those type of professions have a more like social aspect instead of you know this wandering loner who doesn't seem to care yeah. about anything but he cares now. <laughs> I'm just gonna play my guitar and sit here looking morose. <laughs> Thanks, Kikider. <laughs> hey, he's got important shit to do. He's got to ditch people and go riding on the road. Anyway, <laughs> Doctor Pac-Man, the skinny, lanky guy, and the sexy, evil Sentai lady in the short shorts. Corner Emu, Togo, and Poppy Pipopo at the plaza. The Hatena Bugster emerges from Togo as he struggles to maintain his physical form due to his game disease. Takaru and the others arrive, and he exposes Dr. Pac-Man as Zizen, who unmasks and reveals he was revived, along with his colleagues, as Bugsters. I, I just want to interject for a minute and just say, like... Uh, I don't know if this guy is a really for reals wrestler in Japan, but that guy that I kind of refer to as, you know, the big long haired wrestler guy, like he did some wrestling moves. Yeah. Well, the, the, that, but I, I was just going to say it was, it was really a struggle to suspend my disbelief when they cut to the flashback of them all doing gene research. And I'm like, look, <laughs> I can buy him as a guy who snaps people's necks and kicks ass and is like this thug brute enforcer in this film but he's also the tech guy but when they cut back to him in his little in his in his little hospital you know gown with the with the the mask on and everything i'm kind of like you're not a fucking gene research doctor shut the fuck up like i that that part that part was a tough sell for me he actually is like a professional wrestler in japan he's like with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Okay, okay, I figured as much. Uh, that, that's I'm I'm trying I'm trying to look up who it is here. I'm I'm in the uh, I'm I'm having I'm going through it. He is Hiroshi Tanahashi. 
Oh, it's Hirosh. Okay, it's Tanahashi. Yeah, well, he's he's a member he's of Bullet kind of Club. Badass. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. He's he's a legit badass. Yeah, and and I I legitimately buy him as a badass. Just just not as a genie research doctor. Yeah, well, Tanahashi's the only. Yeah, he's he is a legit. He is a legit badass. He's a good dude. <laughs> but yeah, but D- Derek does make a good point because not only is he like a surgeon in there, but as the, as the series goes, as the series as the movie goes on. He's like the tech guy, the computer nerd, and it's like, really? No. Is that, is that like no. when they made? Is that, that's like that when they made E Honda like the computer guy on the American Street Fighter cartoon, where he's like, "Come on, Guile! Like I totally hacked those guys!" Like, what? What's the problem, Buck? I, I'm frozen out. Her files can't be accessed, even by authorized personnel. Maybe Honda can help. He's a computer whiz. There's a lock on them, all right. Someone's changed the security codes. Oh, good. Do love a challenge. I'm in. Yeah, hundred handed slap to the keyboard. I really love the Doctor Patman mask. That's why it's my avatar tonight. It does look creepy, and it is something you're familiar with. It does look, you know, spooky. The voice did kill it for me when he was in the mask. (laughs) He was so much better after he took the mask off. He was much more threatening, and I was like, okay, I can buy you being a villain, yeah. I was kind of surprised they didn't use that mask more because it was in a lot of the promotional materials like the trailers and the movie posters and everything and then after like five or ten minutes he's just like oh yeah i'm that guy and he takes it off and we never see it again i wonder i wonder if that's part of like namco you know bandai namco's thing though like i I wonder if it's like we want to sell pac-man and we want to sell this movie by incorporating pac-man but maybe there was like a ratio where they're like all right we got your script we see that pac-man is the evil villain of this movie and then they're like you know what can we do a rewrite where he takes the pac-man mask off after like you know 35 minutes instead of like you know 70 minutes into the movie because we don't want our our ip to be corrupted like we don't want our our little kids to be afraid of pac-man moving forward but if you if you start them off just in the beginning and then have them take off the mask then it won't be so bad because people will be able to go oh look the bad guy isn't pac-man really it's this other guy who's corrupted pac-man yeah and then make a point of saying look pac-man is not a bad guy he's just hungry you know i i I made the reference before to tekken you know and as we've seen kind of in the build-up with with tekken 7 namco is not afraid of doing some promotional stuff to get people to look at this stuff you know yeah we talked about new japan I mean, in Tekken 7, everybody can wear a Bullet Club t-shirt, you know, as part of a skin. Akuma is going to be in it. Friggin' Geese Howard. I lost my crap when they said Geese Howard was going to be in Tekken 7. I mean, literally lost it. Lost it. But, well, yeah, For anybody it doesn't know, that's, a, that's an SNK character who was really popular if you were, like, around in the 90s. Just letting you guys know. For, for anybody who doesn't know, that's an SNK character is... who will beat the ever-living crap out of you at the end of certain video games. 
Yeah, he, he will double rep Puken you enough that you will see just how sturdy your controller is if you repeatedly <laughs> throw it into the wall. <laughs> double rep Puken! <laughs> but that, all that all that said, I'm, I'm I'm with you. I think Namco was like, hey, you know, you know, this, this is a Pac-Man's, you know, the big recognizable guy. Let's put him out there. But we can't have him be a bad guy. We can't have that. You know, make sure this is like evil looking Pac-Man and make sure a big, happy, smiling Pac-Man is back at the end of it. So I'm with that. And, and, I, and I agree that the Dr. Pac-Man mask was fantastic, and to see it gone so early, was, and the voice that went with it was really disappointing, because it's like, that's cool. Okay, it's another old Japanese guy. It's like, I get it, Kamen Rider, old Japanese guys tend to be the villains going back all the way to the beginning. You know, that, that was like Shocker, right? It was a bunch of old Japanese guys in lab coats. You know, hey, it, it's the 21st century. Let's move it along. You know, evil Pac-Man's the way to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was a good look. I, I agree with Justin that it shouldn't have been gone so soon and look so evil. I just think for the character, that voice was the thing that bugged me. If he talked like that in the mask, he would have been perfect. Yeah, I, I, I agree as well. I, I'm just kind of being devil's advocate, kind of saying, oh, I bet you there's some contractual obligation where they, they couldn't do that for, for, you know, the licensors or the, you know, the, the kind of suit guys, that you know, the Larrys that are like, you know, I don't know, we can't have Pac-Man be evil this whole movie, Larry. You know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> well, there's also to the point that like he might have had that voice in the mask because it wasn't a threatening voice so it was kind of like a subtle cue of like oh see he's kind of like a silly villain right 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 yeah yeah i see what you're saying i i did like where where we see dr peckman where he's like rezzing out oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah you know as he's walking he is he, he gets some crackling around because he'd be he'd be de-rezzing i like that it's a subtle you know it's kind of a, a standard part of the visual thing you do with that but it, i thought it was well done i always like that so that, that's a trope i enjoy yeah Back to the, the film proper, Emu is pissed that Dr. Pac-Man has snubbed his Hippocratic Oath, and the Hatana Bugster unleashes exploding puzzle pieces onto our heroes. Just then, totally random mid-movie introductions to Fukami Makoto, a.k.a. Kamen Rider Spectre, and... Elaine, a.k.a. Kamen Rider Necrom, who arrived just in time to see Takaru use his body as a human shield to protect his lady friend, Akari, from the exploding puzzle piece about to land on top of her. Although neither are dead, they are both infected with game syndrome. Elaine and Fukami Makoto can barely hold their own against sexy evil sentai lady in the short shorts, while Emu gets slapped around by the skinny, lanky dude. Togo is absorbed by Dr. Pac-Man, while Takaru gets smacked about by the Hatana Bugster. Just then, the coolest guy ever shows up. Kujo Kiraya, a.k.a. Kamen Rider Laser. Followed closely by Hiro Kagami, a.k.a. Kamen Rider Brave, and Taiga Hanada, a.k.a. Kamen Rider Snipe, in badass slow-mo. As they talk <laughs> smack to their opponents, Hiro hands Emu the Kamen Rider Ghost Gashat on the sly, and with Elaine and Fukami Makoto coming to their second wind, the white-suited baddies run off to other set locations to do battle against the riders <laughs> with an army of bugster viruses that kind of look like if the ood on Doctor Who turned into, like, evil feudal like army bad guys. Sexy evil Sentai Lady in the short shorts henshins into Giddy Giddy Bugster and combats Kamen Rider's Brave and Spectre. They fight one another to a standstill with the release of Brave's 
Do Re Mi Fa, Critical Strike, and the Sexy Evil Sentai Lady in the Short Shorts retreats. Meanwhile, Drago Knight Bugster faces off against Kamen Rider's Laser, Snipe, and Necrom. The X-Aid Riders execute the Giri Giri Critical Finish and Jet Critical Strike, with Necrom executing his Omega Ulord Punch, which knocks skinny, lanky, tall dude out of his Bugster form and causes him to flee. So I, I think my favorite part in that whole fight was how Necrom was like already punching and beating the shit out of the Buckster guy even before his jacket comes on to complete his henshin. Yeah. He's like, I'm gonna fuck you up before I even finish transforming. But that was that, <laughs> that was my that was my favorite part of this. But do you guys have any highlights or anything that you liked in this kind of sequence? Well, I, I do want to say that the 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 puzzle Bugster, I thought that was fantastic. Because, you know, you think about you think you think about video games and think about video games as as villains. Right. And the idea of a block puzzle guy, that's brilliant. And then dropping blocks on people. I'm like, again, it's like the ghost thing with Pac-Man eating ghost powers. It's like, this is awesome. That makes perfect sense. It's like the most if you think about it, a guy that's going to drop endless amounts of blocks on you is way more dangerous than lots of other video games. So I thought that was really clever. And the idea of it being you know, a guy, a kid that created this little mobile puzzle game. Again, you know, it, it made sense that, okay, that that's something that one, a high school kid would develop and market. He wouldn't do like a platformer or a fighting game or something, right? It'd be a puzzler. And then to turn that into a, you know, a brick-based kaijin. I thought that was really cool. I like that a lot. But this whole sequence is, is great because I didn't watch Ghost or X-Aid, so I have no idea who any of these guys are. So this is all just, you know, just this wow, just one thing after another, cool stuff you know, finishers and transformations and different modes. It's like, this is great. This is just like going in completely without any context. I feel like I'm like in the movie Memento, right? I just turn it on and there's, you know, bugs fighting monsters. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Probably one of the nicest things is the fact that Spectre and Necrom actually get due justice. They get their asses kicked, but so the other guys. And, you know, it's because the, the villains are so bad, but they don't come off as weak, which is always good. You know, they don't come off as like little pussies, unless you're Baron, because, you know, Baron's cool. Luke, I know you say you haven't watched X-A. Me, Justin, and Derek are, we, we've watched the whole thing. Kyria is awesome. Kyria is a great fucking writer. I love Kyria. He, he is one of my favorite. He, he's another one of those characters who, he is awesome as a common writer, but he's so fucking interesting and so charismatic as an actor, and what he does in the series, you, you you will, like, grow to love that guy. He is so fucking fun. It's funny because speaking of, like, marketability and, and selling me action figures, like, I think the actor who plays Laser is so cool. And what the reason why I think he's, like, I guess the, the way I can impart to you on how cool I think he is is I don't want an action figure of Kamen Rider Laser. I want an action figure of the guy wearing his, you know, <laughs> coat that he doesn't wear right. the sleeves on. Like I want to figure out. He just drapes. I want to figure out of him with the John Lennon glasses and the coat where he drapes it over his shoulders. Like that's that's how cool I think he is. Yeah, he has like that Spike Spiegel kind of vibe from Cowboy Bebop. Let me ask you guys a question about about Tyga because he's coming out of Snipe. Yeah, yeah. So it is so his his game that he loads up is like a shooter. Yes. So is he supposed to be because this is Japan, right? So not not the U.S. So is he supposed to be like a shoot 'em up? Because his powered-up attack was Jet Combat Strike Finisher or whatever. Yeah. So all I could think of was, like, Gradius or, you know, any of those Zoaplon shooters from the, you know, or Thunder Force, if you're a Sega guy like me. That's all I could think of was something like that. I was like, I like this guy just because he's a shoot-em-up guy, you know? 
he kind of encapsulates two two genres. We will go with the one used in this movie. He he does you know do stuff in the show, but we won't go into that. I would say Snipe, his basic form, is kind of a Call of Duty thing. Okay, so like what what we'd call in the U.S. a shooter now instead of a shoot 'em up. Yeah, but then again, he does have jet combat, which, like you said, is more like Gradius, and he's like just got big ass guns, and he just flies around right, and shoots yeah. stuff. I guess the best way to put his motif is militaristic. Mm-hmm. He, he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah. I, I, you know, if like they would get away with it, they they could call him Common Rider Bullet Hell. <laughs> well, he he reminds me a bit of, and 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 this is you know maybe a coming attraction for later in the show. He reminded me of like Drive Technic, you know, because it's all about tactics and and taking out the target with with the maximum amount of firepower and all that. So he does go all in. He he is very, very much uh, get the fucking job done. That that's his basic mindset, but you know mm. the, the stuff does you know progress. He does become a full character. My only problem with X Aid, and this is just a side note, Taiga will really frustrate you at points because he doesn't seem to get developed. But by the end, you're really happy with his arc. So and mm. okay, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I, I I like the character of Taiga. I I don't know that that this you know this film is maybe a a snapshot into a portion of his arc. You know, so it's like if if you're turned off by this appearance or or don't feel like there's more to him from this appearance, I I think I agree with what Tony says. Like you can rest assured there's there's other layers to sort of you know peel, you know banana or you know whatever. There, there's more stuff under there. You know that you can you can sort of sink your teeth into as as the the standard series progresses. I guess another question, since we, we, we did mention the ghost guys and Taiga, one character we haven't really talked about a lot, especially since we haven't talked about X-8 a whole lot. What do you guys think about Hero, you know, Kamen Rider Brave? I like him. Again, it seems like they're giving you a, a small taste of, of who he is, but not, you know, not the whole cake, basically. I, I think he's more frustrating than Taiga, you know, like, <laughs> to, to be perfectly Sometimes, honest. Sometimes, yeah. To be perfectly honest, he's my least favorite writer from X8, and it's just because I I find his character so frustrating and just his, you know, like if we were to meet in real life, like our personalities would clash, like we would not get along. I just, I mean, I get where he's coming from, like his characterization and his actions, I get it, I just don't agree with it, and whenever he does something, I'm just like, no dude, like that's... That's the wrong move. Like you're, a, you're you're totally a jerk. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure what to think of him because he. I mean, because they're introducing him and he he's antagonistic with Emu, and I'm like, okay, so is he like you know was is it kind of I thought maybe it's kind of like with Baron where sometimes they get along and sometimes they don't, and I, I wasn't sure what to make of him from this. Honestly, I didn't I didn't get a real good vibe for him, I and mean, he's a good. He seemed like a you know a serious fighter, and he was a good you know he had some cool forms from a visual standpoint and stuff, but he was harder to get a peg on than the other guys. For me, for the secondary writer, I think I if if I had to compare him to somebody, and you guys might chuckle, but I mean, you know, Iceman and Top Gun, like he's kind of like Iceman and Top Gun, but he's a doctor, and he he obviously thinks he's a better doctor than Maverick. Do you know what I mean? Like in that analogy, yeah, you know, and 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 Maverick's like the young hot kid who thinks like, oh, I'm gonna make people smile, and he's like, what are you fucking kidding? You're gonna make people fucking smile? You gotta like cut shit and like be a skilled surgeon and fucking help people, but you know you can't, you know, smile. Fuck you, you know, and like that. That's kind of like where he's coming from in a way, and because he's dealt with, you know, you you get to find out through the course of the series, like he he's dealt with loss and different things like that and that sort of affects 
his approach in terms of you know how much emotionality he displays he's cold for a reason yeah and how much he's willing to expose and i think i think some of it he has his reasons and some of it i think is is logical you know like sometimes in certain cases you don't want to be you know running around frantic and and all emotional especially in kind of life or death situations and and there are things that i think emu can learn from Taiga, and there's also things that Taiga eventually can learn from Emu as well, and even Bang Bang Shooting. Hero. You know, yeah, yeah, Hero can learn from from Taiga, I think is what I meant to say. Sorry. Yeah, so what is Taiga's deal? Is he like a pathologist? Because he was in the lab coat and stuff and didn't seem to deal with patients. Is that um, his? What, what's his kind of deal? I, 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 don't, I don't think it's like a big secret because it's revealed in the first yeah, one or two few, uh, few episodes. episodes. Yeah. He was a prominent doctor. He was really well-respected, but he did something careless. And, and his nickname by Hero is Unlicensed Doctor. Oh, uh, okay. That explains that gag. He yeah. called him that because I know you don't have a license or anything. Yeah, that's basically what he calls him for like the rest of the series yeah yeah much. and that that's yeah. I, also, I also like the director kept deferring to hero during the briefing with with the official yeah 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 you see well, okay, give, give us some background he goes hero what is it that's that's actually his dad i don't think they ever said that what's his yeah. dad okay he does remind me a lot of the police captain and drive because he right he can right. be serious in one moment and he's just like oh <laughs> yeah some sometimes yeah, sometimes I, I watch that scene and i'm just kind of like i i feel like I feel like heroes sometimes, you know, people turn to me and what's really going on. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> what that guy said. He knows what's up. And you're like, oh, okay, thanks. So at this point, Dr. Pac-Man unleashes this gigantic Pac-Man on Emu and Takaru, and they are forced to flee like Indiana Jones running from a rolling boulder. But with the power of heart and round the two power. Takaru retrieves his Ore icon to Henshin into Kamen Rider Ghost. Ghost! Hemu screams away his self-doubt. And Henshin's using the Kamen Rider Ghost to shot and aids the real Ghost in a level one form against the large Pac-Man construct. Ghost uses the X-Aid icon to change into X-Aid Damashi, while X-Aid changes into Ghost Gamer level two. The duo then use the Kaigen Critical Strike and the Heisei Rider Omega Drive to execute a double rider kick to destroy the virus inside Pac-Man, who smiles, thanking the riders as he fades into Data, ending the pandemic. We then cut to Haruto Soma, aka Common Rider Wizard, who witnesses the battle's end from afar. First off, let me just say, Common Rider Wizard, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we will do- wizard as 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 again for those who may not have heard the earlier one wizard is my boy haruto is the man my note actually is haruto with three exclamation points after it that's how much how excited i was to see wizard <laughs> yeah, at least at least at least your, at least your guy bothered to show up to the casting call <laughs> yeah <laughs> Hey, you know, it's, you gotta you gotta take the good with the bad sometimes. But the, the thing about this this whole segment where they're they're fighting Pac Man, 
you know, we see Pac-Man with his hands and feet, like in Pac-Mania. That was the only thing I could think of, or the old Pac-Man cartoon. Yeah, with a little know, hat. From yeah. like when I was a kid. And I got, again, this I'm sure is because of Namco, but I love that they, they stuck to their guns, and every time we see Pac-Man, it's waka, 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 waka. That is, that alone sells it. Anytime we see the real Pac-Man, he is waka, walking and eating everybody. You know, eating everything in its path. He was doing that, yeah. And, um, yeah, so that to me, was just, it's a little thing, but I, I love that they had the waka waka. You know, as an old gamer from the 80s myself. Pac-Man with, like, the hands and legs just, I immediately thought of, like, Super Smash Brothers, like, because that's, you know, when he was, like, the giant Pac-Man with the arms and legs before they, like, went inside, like, that's what I thought of. I was like, oh, that looks pretty much like a cutscene from Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The kind of cartoony CG look, yeah. Now, 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 to be fair, like, we were, we, Derek had mentioned, like, you know, they, they maybe try to not nerf Pac-Man, but, like, make him, you know, not the bad guy. But honestly, like, that was a little bit fucking, you know, tense. Because you got this big-ass rolling yellow ball that's eating everything in his path. And, like, I, I could feel the struggle, you know? Like, it, it was not and, and just... Yeah, they, and they talk about that, but that Pac-Man is not evil, but he's gluttonous. Yeah, he'll just keep eating. So it's like, you know, it, it's not even like it's not even like he's conscious of it. You know, that's what he does. Yeah, you know, this, this way he'll he'll run run it down and eat it. So yeah, I I mean like I said, I mean it's it, it's funny because it's Pac-Man. It, it was it's well done. It's 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 like you know how do we fight this thing? How do you fight Pac-Man for crying out loud? You know, especially without a power cookie. <laughs> I do wonder if like the producers saw like the Adam Sandler movie Pixels and thought, oh, we can do better than that, and that's that's why we got this movie. <laughs> And they yeah. did. They did so much better. Yeah. Oh my god! Yes. Did you did you like it when they went to the game world and it was the maze and like he was yes. chasing them down through the maze? Yeah, that, that was, was cool. great. Yeah, that was again. It's it's like you know again. I, I know it's because Namco was you know had a hand in this and all that. But yeah, that you know it's little things like that. It's like if you're gonna do Pac-Man, do Pac-Man, right? Yeah. You know, and that run the maze and all that. I would, I thought that was great. You know what? The only thing was odd about this is that you know like uh, like uh, Venkman says in in Ghostbusters, we get this guy laid. You know, we take care of this. You know, it's like we just grab Ms. Pac-Man. She could probably talk him down out of this. <laughs> guys, I gotta go. You're like, I'm you're like, if Miss Pac-Man showed up and she was wearing the really, really short shorts, you know, she, she, yeah, doing, doing all those back kicks and flips and shit, and you're like, yeah, Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man. That's right, boys, all mine, yeah. The only cheesy thing that I, I, I didn't hate, but I thought it was a little cheesy. There's okay, they, they defeat Pac-Man and like he, like you know, he leaves and he goes back to the game world. I guess you would say. But he leaves like these little sparkles and stuff. Everybody's cured and stuff. And even though I love her to death, Justin, I do love her. Poppy People Poe is just like, thank you, Pac-Man. And I'm just like, really? <laughs> <laughs> like, we know you caused all this, but thanks anyway. <laughs> it was destroyed our city, but you're a good guy. It's, I don't know. It's kind of weird. But as far as Ghost and X-Aid, I, I do like, you know, doing the, the switch up with one looking like X-Aid and one looking like Ghost. I thought that was all. That's always neat when they do yeah. that kind of switch stuff in the movies. But, you know, and and as typical as it is for not just Kamen Rider, but for a tokusatsu show in general, for a character to, you know, really come to grips with their, you know, why they're fighting and their determination. I thought Ghost had a really good scene of that here, you know, just kind of coming to grips with you know, why he's fighting and what his motivation is and that he's afraid to die, but he's much more afraid of seeing his friend die, you know? And yeah. I thought that, again, for having not watched Ghost, I thought that was a good insight into Takeru's character there, you know? 
to really get an idea of this guy because he says that he goes oh I've you know I was dead so I've learned so I thought that was a nice a nice way to kind of do that and put it in that you know typical tokusatsu style motivational monologue before we go fight you know the big fight here yeah and that, yeah, that's yeah. like something you could appreciate Luke is like you like wizard like finishing off like you know Haruto's story this is kind of continuing ghost story where he's alive now he's not he's no longer a ghost and he's like yeah scared to die you know. Right. They even say that right at the beginning. He goes, well, you're, you're just a, you're just a human now, you know, and he's like, well, I'll go fight anyway. You know, he's, he's still got the same character, even though now it, he's you know, he doesn't have that same situation that he was in when he was doing this on a weekly basis. Yeah. Something that like Tony is not aware of, you know, initially, like I was not a fan of Kamen Rider Ghost and I, I quit like. 10, 12 episodes in because I was just like, I can't take this anymore. But about a month ago, like I decided to give it a second chance and I went back and I've watched like the first 26 episodes. And I don't know if it's just I was in like a wrong headspace at the time, but like my second attempt, like I'm enjoying it. Like, I don't know if I've oh. just like got past like all the annoying character parts. Onari and Akari still irritate me, but not as bad when I was initially watching it. You know, whereas I was watching this the first time I was like, eh, it's ghost. But now I'm kind of like <laughs> more, you know, like I was ready to like defend ghost if Tony was going to like you know, smack talking a little bit because like I he does have some really nice moments in this movie and this when he gets his icon back and transforms and the ghost music hits like I was like man this is a really good moment for him and and, and as Luke says it's an earned moment like you feel it whereas you know like Derek said M just kind of like screams away his frustrations and intentions and I was just like wait what <laughs> I, I think that's why I, I hopefully I illustrated my feelings with the synopsis succinctly but uh, even as much as I've seen every episode of X-Aid and I enjoy X-Aid, I, I do think that Takaru came off much better in his moment because he, like like you guys have been saying, it, it showcases him and he also earns the, the round two moment. Like, he's 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 been powerless, like, for half the fucking movie, you know? So, like, when he fight, It's kind of like that whole thing of, like... I mean, I, I don't particularly enjoy it, but, you know, the, the, the notion of, oh, well, we've got, you know, a powerless Thor, you know, hanging out in Oklahoma or whatever, or I, I forget where the movie's set, but you know what I mean. Like, he's, he's powerless in America, you know, in a small town, and basically, you know, but that moment when he finally gets the hammer back and powers up his Thor, you're kind of like, yes, fucking finally, he's got the fucking hammer and he's going to you know, smack this motherfucker down, you know, and it's the same thing when, when Ghost finally gets, you know, his icon back, and you're like, all right, fucking finally, like, Henshin, and, you know, take care of this shit, you know, and so you, you are, you are super into it. I, I will admit that as much as I love emo, emo, yeah, emo, and I like Kamen Rider XA, a lot of his turning points are him screaming really loudly. Emu, <laughs> uh, would you say that Emu is emo? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. I, w I would go there. Yeah. <laughs> Some sometimes, um, I, sometimes he can be. Yeah. Why bother henching? I just wait for the sweet release of death. <laughs> Just gonna fill up this bathtub and go get some razor blades. It's gonna be great. I, I was gonna say though, Justin, I did hear one positive thing about like ghosts from people who don't like it. They say when Common Rider Spectre comes in, it really does ramp up. And is he showed up already? 
I mean, Spectre shows up very early, early like yeah, the he, second or third episode. Yeah, he, he shows up pretty quickly. I quit after the first, so yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, I'm willing to give a show a chance. I mean, like, yeah, if, uh, you're a long time uh, fan hole listener. Justin was the one who turned me on to Gaim. So if he's liking Ghost right now, I, I, I'll be willing to give it a shot. And also, I will say one thing in Ghost's favor. The Henshin is great. You know, I'm not chili but I'm not chili but wise wide open. Yeah, that is a pretty good fucking theme song. I mean, to be to be honest, having not watched Ghost or Gaim, or excuse me, not Gaim, Ghost or X-Aid, I, watching this movie made me want to check both the shows out. So I, I you know, I did anything else. The movie did did its job in that in that sense, you know, because like I said, just, just saw it, and then all this stuff with Takara was like, yeah, you know, that maybe because I, I, you know, it wasn't it wasn't anything, you know, like oh man, this looks crap. I'm not going to watch it. it. It was more of a time thing for me, you know, just having the time because you know my my kids are not quite old enough to watch subtitled Tokusatsu yet, and my wife, you know, you know, she the only thing she likes less than dubbed Toku is subbed Toku. So it, to me, it's like, okay, I got to figure out a time I can, I can watch the series every week and it just wasn't in the card. So, but you know, they, I, they do a good job of showcasing them, you know, for good or ill, the, the good parts about them and, and make them, make them somewhat interesting. Like I said, all this stuff with Emu and being a doctor and all that, and that idea of a, you know, much as we were talking to the, you know, it was the, we had a similar thing with Shinsuke who was a, how do you, you know, how do you be a common writer and a policeman? Well, now it's like, how do you be a common writer and a doctor, you know? You're still saving people, but now you're, you know, how do you, how do you save people? Do you save people by, you know, fighting the monsters or by helping people? You know, it's a conversation I have with my older boy all the time about Ultraman. It's like, well, remember, Ultraman's not, not about fighting monsters. He's about helping people. He just does it a lot by fighting monsters because that's what he's best at doing. You know, but ultimately, you know, it's, you, you can, there's many ways to fulfill that and, and help people. So that's what I thought was neat about about Emu and, and and made me want to you know maybe I should watch some X Aid you know when I get you know some free time in the next ten to fifteen years. Right, I, I will say uh, as far as the Doctor subplot, as far as them being doctors, it is actually a, a really relevant subplot and it is brought up a lot. So uh, if you like that idea, I would tell not just you but anybody to like definitely check out X Aid. The uh, yeah. I know a lot of people hated the garish colors of like X Aid. Honestly, I think the suits look awesome, but uh, the the they, the they are self-pop. they are a little they are a little different just from a, a aesthetic standpoint than what we've been getting. But you know, in the Heisei Riders, especially, I mean, the Showa Riders were a little less varied, but the Heisei Riders have so so different looking. Each one from from year to year, it's such a different thing. I remember when we were building up to the reveal of Gaim, and it was a whole big thing. You know, it was like a warrior of fruit. What shall he look like? You know, and exactly. all that. And it was such yeah, a yeah big deal when he revealed it and we all were like fruit what the hell is this crap you know and then, <laughs> and then they show up it's like okay that's pretty boss right there that's like a fruit samurai that is cool you know? yeah. and then your brain starts it's like wait there could be other fruits you know yeah and like you know like to Derek's point like Shinnesuke you know like drive you know it's like a common writer just has a car just a car fuck that then like like he has some of the best outfits of like you know recent memory yeah. I, I love yeah i love a lot of his outfits yeah well and and they even and it was, i remember a lot of people didn't like the tire and then we got the tire coke and we get the tire change it's like oh and it made sense why he had the tire right through his chest you know and you could do different stuff with the tire and it's like okay well he got different powers without having a different form and everybody you know then people got kind of on board with that so i said they're, they're different it's like they they the, the level one thing that one I, I hadn't really seen that. That may, well, that makes me think of it's like Mega Man, you know, like the original NES Mega Man's. He was a little kind of short, squat, you know. 
And then they did like Mega Man 7 and Mega Man 8, and he was a little bit taller and lankier, and he looked a little bit more athletic. I don't think they really address it, but they do give a reason why they have that level one form. And it, it is, uh, I think it's uh, the best way to describe it is chibi. As the series goes on, you see a lot less of that. It, it is, it oh, is sure, basically sure. like, yeah, their origin story, like how they get to be more powerful. And you see a lot more cool Kamen Rider suits. You said you like, you like the shooter aspect of Taiga. Man, you're going to yeah. love his like fucking upgrades. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to keep an eye on that. That's funny. Uh, but we totally went off on a tangent, Derek. No, no, uh, that's like, cool. That's cool. So there was lots of talk about Sonosuke, and we've got him and the Tokyo Police Force surrounding the hideout of the next genome crew. But a magic portal from Haruto transports the police force away. Haruto tries to get in good with the bad guys, saying he wants to join their crew. Sonosuke tells Takaru the location of the next genome hideout, as they only have eight hours left to save Akari. Emu eventually joins Takaru to save both his patients, Akari and Togo, after some motivational theme song music! Hacky sack, hacky sack... Alright. As the two riders do the bro-fist hand clap, Shinosuke tells his sexy-as-hell wife, Kiriko, who's not even on screen, but I can still feel the sexiness from behind the cell phone, <laughs> he'll be working late tonight and to only worry about herself and the new life within her now. That's right! Shinosuke put a ring on it and knocked it up. So, way to go, Shinosuke. That was the, mo that that was the most shocking part of this whole movie. That was the most shocking part of this whole movie. A very because drive ends. Too. They're not. Yeah, I mean, they're they're not they're not a couple at the end of drive. It's like, holy shit, dude, awesome! Hit that, man. You know. Yeah, they're 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 married. He's got a kid. Like, it's pretty awesome. It's it's uh it's Jetman levels of progress for for Shinosuke <laughs> and Kiriko. There, you know. He's he's a real boy now. <laughs> <laughs> So after his brain gets into top gear and he straightens his tie, he slow-mo badass walks off to the oncoming battle. Haruto meets up with Emu and Takaru and leads them to the next genome crew. Shinosuke then arrives with his cheapo CGI gun blasts and gets assaulted by the wrestling genome long-haired guy. So uh, what I was going to ask you guys because we've got two count them two wrestling fans on this show there's so much wrestling prowess and knowledge tell me some of the technical terms for what the hell that guy did to poor shinosuke when he was in his civilian mode like i know i know there must be some kind of you know plexus yeah, whatever he choke slammed him he choke slammed him on the table i know that okay. i remember that one I, I, and... actually i don't think it was a, a choke slam. i don't think it was a urinage that you well, the, the urinage, which is well, yeah, Yurinage is kind of like the Japanese equivalent because nobody throws a choke slam really. No, no Japanese guy. Only a foreigner would throw a choke slam in in puro wrestling. Yeah, yeah. But, was, uh, yeah, Yurinage-ism. Yeah, he he does a. Um, uh, I guess I guess. Well, I'm trying to think because he, he it's not it's it's he does the he kind of does a go behind and then does does a, a throw. I'm not sure. I think that's when a ton, a move Tanahashi uses. I'm just not yeah. sure what he calls it. I was waiting for him to bring up like a, you know, uh, the uh, the Shote or something like that, some really yeah. Pearl Wessa style thing. <laughs> well, I think I think the move where he transitions is just called a float over. Yeah, he, float, like, he yeah. floats over, but then I think, but I think he uses that that takeover, that that float over into like the backwards lariat there, where he throws him yeah. down. I want to say he uses that. 
Well, you know, but, that could uh, be a, that, that could be a call to um, you know, the uh, Rainmaker. Yeah, that's well, that's what I tried. It, it wasn't the actual Rainmaker. No, I mean, no, that it might wasn't. have been too on the nose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Tanahashi is a huge Common Rider fan to the point that you know he gave interviews where he would make references to Common Rider and stuff. So. You know, him being in this is not necessarily just casting gimmickry. I mean, he's apparently a huge Common uh, Rider fanboy already. So he might ask, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's cool. I, I be... didn't, I didn't know that. So that's that's kind of neat to hear that. But yeah, they're, 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 well, that's what I say, Derek. Is like his basic moves are wrestling oriented, but they're like kind of basic moves. There's like a tackle. And you know, there, there's as 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 Jr. from WWE would say, clubbering. What you were saying is true, and of course, because he's a wrestler. He does have a more of a, a pro wrestling style, and you see that. You know, it's like when when The Rock does a rock bottom in a movie. Right. You're right. like, that's yeah, a wrestling right, movie. Right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that is that is precisely the kind of feels I got as I was watching the the sequence. You know, the battle sequence between the the two characters and everything. And I, I think this is the the part where this this kind of makes this part of our overarching coverage of Gaim uh, retroactively or whatever. But then at this point, Orange Arms, the path of blossoms to the stage. And Kamen Rider Gaim has arrived and Gaim hands Chinosuke Mr. Belt. So he too can henshin during the final conflict. And that is, of course, what Chinosuke would expect from a Kamisama like Gaim. And then it's good versus evil as Common Rider Wizard, Common Rider Gaim, Common Rider Drive, Common Rider Ghost, and Common Rider X Aid line up and say their catchphrases to take on the next genome bugster. It sounds like you, you, you're kind of bummed out that, that basically it's just a, a voiceover guest star for Kota in this film, Tony. So uh, I'll let you, I don't know, do a mini rant or I, I don't know what I'm expecting here. But, you know, I, I, I know you sounded kind of disappointed about that. So. No, that's cool. He was drinking like a, like a juice box in like, you know, fucking some other city at that point. <laughs> Juice box. Like, I mean, it's not even like, a voiceover, isn't it? All isn't it all like archival dialogue that they just kind of chopped and formed? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I looked it up. Yeah, and, and like, okay, Akoda was a really good actor. You know, the guy who plays him. I'm sure he's getting work. That's fine. You know what? But Haruto is like a fucking good actor too. I'm sure he's getting work too. He fucking goddamn showed up. And then like Shinosuke, he should be on like fucking on Order Japan. You know, King Chong or whatever. But um. <laughs> Like, well, my boy could my boy cannot show up, really. 
And his suit actor uh, looked a little fat, too. That kind of pissed me off, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the fruit, man. You know, that sugar goes somewhere. But, uh, that, but of course, Naruto's, you know, doing nothing but eating donuts all day. So, but what do I know? You know, the, the thing with that is, like I said, I said this at the top, that maybe my lack of observance, lack of observing things helped me out. But I didn't notice Gaim in the in the opening. So when Gaim comes through the ceiling, I'm like, holy shit, it's Gaim! <laughs> I was genuinely excited. I didn't realize yeah. he was in the movie. Yeah, well, I barely realized he was in the movie myself. Um, <laughs> well, hey, you know. But, Dude, uh, I mean, I'm, again, it's not, not ideal, but it was cool, still cool nonetheless to get Gaim in there. So you got, you know, because, I mean, the Heisei Riders really covers a lot more ground than these five. But, no, these, it does, I mean, it does. It to me that these five are at least at least for what I've seen, for the little bit that I'm involved kind of in the online fandom for Tokusatsu and all that, these five seem to have really vocal either fan bases or haters or whatever. So these guys seem to generate a lot of uh, a lot of interest in one shape or another. So these guys have kind of become like the, the Heisei Riders, even though, yeah, obviously there's a lot more guys that are missing, you know, Forza and Blade and uh, Fives and, you know, um, Kuga even going back that far and all that. Oh, but these these yeah, guys, when you yeah. most most people think of common rider now, these are the guys they think of, yeah. and maybe you know, and then and then for, as far as Heisei rider, so it was it was cool for me to see the two new guys, and then three you know three really good guys from the last few years all together. That that to me alone was worth the the uh, the price of the the proverbial price of admission here. I, I will say they did give Gaim at least one easy like you know out. Okay, he's God basically. He, he's like uh you know fucking you know omnipotent you know person and mr beltasan was like at least like you know i don't even know he got pounded you know to the like you know the 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 pit you know he just found me and everybody does seem to have a little bit of reverence for gaim so i'll give them that i i actually like you know like i i know you're bummed because the the real actor wasn't really for reals there or whatever but i think i think sometimes you know maybe we get spoiled because like you've got all these other actors in the mill you know in the the movie or whatever but like there's been plenty of times where the only aspect of the team up was really just two suit actors hanging out together you know what i mean where it yeah. wasn't it, you know it, it wasn't always that you had i'm blanking on like actors names and stuff like that but you know ba basically you know it wasn't always that you had you know common writer ichigo literally you know it wasn't like you had yeah. the, the real actor there for every single time you know common writer ichigo showed up in a crossover movie i mean you know otherwise it wouldn't have been as special when he did but you know that i you know i i guess i'm willing to let that go because i i think you know the 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 music and the way they introduced him and then also like you said i mean yeah. th there's lots of mad props for the the fact that like mr belt like Beltosan, like he was fucking unrecoverable do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like this is like Doctor Who dropping somebody, you know, Doctor Who and Superman dropping somebody into a fucking black hole. And then, and then, <laughs> and then it's like, guess what? You think Doctor Who is a badass because he dropped somebody in a black hole? Guess what? Superman went back into the motherfucking black hole and pulled his motherfucking ass out of the fucking black hole. And it's like, that's what Gaim does there. It's like, it's like, you think of this badass because Mr. Belt got sent to the fucking core of the earth and you're never going to get him again? Guess what? I'm fucking Gaim. I'm the fucking yeah. god of of Helheim planet. I'll just 
port right in there, port right back the fuck out, and here you go, trans fucking form, let's kick ass, and like I was, I was all about that. Like I thought that but, was but great. Now, now you do have to understand though. I did watch this twice. I just watched this this week to like get you know re familiar with it and stuff. I will say because I am actually not that asshole. It was probably the second viewing that made me a little bit bitter. But, like, the first time when he comes in, it's like, you know, orange blossoms to the stage. I did mark out. I was like, yeah, "Yeah, my boy's back. Fuck you. Like, fucking orange slices everywhere. And I will say another thing that is into his point. He did use, like, pineapple arms. He did use, like, you know, fucking uh, Kiwami arms. And, you know, he, he used a lot of his forms as he should. So... My personal feelings of like wanting to see like you know my, my my boy Coda. I just like Coda, you know that is that is you know a little sore point, you know a little bit a little bit of butt hurt. But he wasn't treated like a bitch. And there are some yeah. times like in like you know the Sengoku War where Forza was kind of treated like a bitch and Ooze was treated like a bitch, and they they weren't the real ones. But at least Gaim had a good showing, so I, I will say that. Yeah, the about the thing, the main thing for me is not as, you know, first off, it, it kind of stands out just because he's the only one. If if Haruto or Shinsuke also hadn't appeared, you know, it'd be like, okay, well, it, you know, now now he's, but because he's the only one, it stands out more, you know? I was trying and, to be nice, Luke. I was, I was trying to, like, be nice. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I, I'm, I'm, what I'm, all I'm saying is that, because I, I miss that, I miss having Koda there, too, because, you know, I thought that we got some, in, in the Great Sengoku War, there was some great character stuff between Haruto and Koda. Yeah, you know, because exactly. where yeah. where the, where where it always seemed to me that Haruto was a couple years older and a little bit more mature, and he was asking, like, "Well, what are you going to do with that?" And he was kind of challenging him a little bit. And, and you know, obviously after that, Gaim went on, Koda went on to do amazing things. So I think that Haruto would have been, you know, would have been happy with that. You know, that he did rise to the challenge and, you know, didn't, you know, let his emotions take charge of him. There's also the fact that, like, in the Gaim and Drive movie, Shinosuke and Koda had a couple of good bonding moments because, like, he appreciated yeah. Shinosuke's, like, you know, drive, no pun intended. And Shinosuke was like, man, this guy's a fucking badass. He never gives up, you know? Right, yeah. But but again, all that, that said, what the, my, my note here for the Legendary Riders is tour the modes because we get everybody showing off a bunch of modes and powers and stuff here. I mean, yeah. Wizard goes through all four of his basic forms in his first fight, so it's like, yep, there's Wu-Ta and Hurricane and Lando. So, you know, as, as a Wizard mark, I was like, yep, there we go. All right. <laughs> and, I, and I do love Pineapple Arms, so that one was like, yes, I love Pineapple Arms. <laughs> And, and, you know, and, and well, you know, and my, my last thought on, like, as far as, you know, Coda and Gaim, you know, as far as, like, you know, I did have a rant. I was, like, you know, a little annoyed. But at the same time, you know, he he not only got respect, but at the same time, I feel that he did seem kind of like the, the little bit of the glue for a minute, just for a minute. Because, like, all these guys kind of know him in a way, except for, you know, obviously, Emu. And Emu, how would say Emu? Because like he's a fucking llama or some shit. Because he always cries. Um, <laughs> Emu. <laughs> how did this happen to me? <laughs> but like, but, but all these other writers kind of know. Him. Even Ghost kind of knows him. And and that that was a cool like you know thing. So like, I can put aside like you know hatred and stuff because at the end of the day, you know, like I said when I first saw this. 
I got my Game Boy back. I got, you know, I got Coda back, you know, and it, it, it was cool. You know, it was like when you watch something a couple of times, I could watch it a third time. And like the third time when he busts through the ceiling, I'll be like, hell yeah, fucking, you know, Orange Blossoms to the stage. So it, it is a mixed reaction. You know, I, I'm always happy to see him back. And when he's actually featured in a not a prominent role. And that's that's the other thing I was going to say. This is X-Aids and Ghost movie. It's not a guy movie. So he shouldn't be the focus. Dr. Pac-Man sends the legendary riders off to, I don't know, another game universe or whatever. Warning, incoming game. Warning, incoming game. He sends Gaim to, like, a feudal Japan setting. So I was like, oh, perfect. It was like Sengoku War again. You know, they're in, like, a, like a little with feudal village. I thought that was swords. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Wizard, Wizard looked like he was in, like, uh, I don't know, like the Germany pavilion at Epcot. I wasn't sure what was up with that, considering his show, you know, takes place in, you know, the modern day. But that was fine. And then uh, Drive just fighting in a big open area, like all fights were on Drive for the most part. Because otherwise, how's the car going to zoom around, you know? <laughs> Do you think that maybe the, there was, like, a, a little nod to the fact that, like, the guy who was a wrestler... Look like a big thug guy, kind of like a criminal, like you know, street tough. Maybe that's why Drive mm-hmm. took as a cop. I'm just yeah, saying, I yeah. could see that totally. But the only thing is, not nobody fought in a big quarry. It's not really a common rider movie if they don't fight in a quarry, is it? You know, <laughs> you do you do miss like the the, the giant sloping landscapes. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> let's all just fall down the rocks. <laughs> Basically, that's why everything had to be CGI gunshots and and explosions because. They didn't go to those quarries where they can legally set off like real explosions or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, Luke. You you called it the the you know the tour of forms basically, but I, I think my note on the sequence was you know ass kicking to various theme songs ensues. You know, yes. like that's that's basically you know among all these different form changes, you know we get treated to all the the main themes of these five different common writers and everything and you know at this point ghost takes on a new form after he goes through all his other forms called ghost tenka toitsu damashi and he defeats the puzzle bugster hatena and then wizard defeats dragonite bugster using infinity style shining strike gaim defeats giri giri using kawami arms and the dj gun and sword mode so i was i was happy to see you know all those forms you know i'm, I'm a fan of kachidochi and kawami you know, the DJ gun, all that good stuff. And Drive defeats the robot bugster with Type Triteron's Tri-Drop Kick. At this point, Pac-Man has turned into a super form, by the way. Yeah, he looks he looks like an extra from, like, Garo. That's about... I, I didn't really care for his form. It, I mean, it was, it was like standard tokusatsu villain form. You know, it wasn't anything... Like, the puzzle bugster looked a lot more creative to me than Dr. Pac-Man. That, that, that kind of, I, I think that lends a little credence to the theory that, you know, I think maybe originally the concept was that they were going to use the evil Pac-Man more, but, you know, at some point they probably were like, well, Bandai says in the fine print you can only have evil Pac-Man for so many minutes, you know, and so you've got now what they're calling his, his genomes form, you know, basically. And, of course, you know, Emu is still emo because he's getting beat up by dr pac-man in this genos form and ghost 
tries to interrupt the beatdown. And then we, we, we get a little bit of information that would be important for people watching the ongoing series. It's not that you don't get that. It's not that you don't get some of this information in the standard series, because you do. I think Common Rider's usually very good about that. But if you were coming to this film for the first time before you learned about it on the series, it is kind of a reveal that, you know, Emu is, in fact, the patient zero for the Buckster virus. And, you know, Emu basically is still, even though he's getting the shit kicked out of him, it's this kind of Naruto thing where he's still continuing to hope to retrieve his patient's smile. You know, he wants to, you know, basically help Togo. And, and this kind of creates an effect where, you know, it yields a temporary release of Togo from, you know, Dr. Pac-Man as the, the genomes. And, and, you know, Togo is basically agreeing to do what his doctor tells him, and then he gets reabsorbed real quick. And just when Emu is about to be sent off to the game dimension forever, we see his face, and it's kind of glowing orange on one side and blue on the other. It it sort of reminded me, in a weird inverted way, of, like, you know, the red and blue of Kakaida colors. You know, it kind of has that yeah. divided kind of thing going on. I, 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 had the, I had the exact same note, that it looked like Kikaida or Matalda or what, you know. Yeah. Yeah, the the, the 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 bifurcated hero like that. Yeah, yeah definitely. And and so then we get something totally weird. Yeah, which is cool. Well, no, this is this is I, I I think you know it's funny. I think I I'm not particularly super fond of all the different X Aid forms or anything, but I think this is one of my favorite. I think yeah, there. I think yeah. this one is one of my favorites as well. Like one of the favorite upgrades where he unleashes basically his newest form, which is the Mighty Brothers Double X. And basically what it is, is the, you know, you've got the blue and orange sides and it's almost like he basically, you know, splits, you know, he's kind of like Dr. Double X from Batman or whatever, where he's like, you know, two, two emus, you know, two, two, how did this happen to me's instead of one, you know, crying about <laughs> what what's going on. I am and you, you are me. Yeah. yeah. And, and then they do the mighty double critical strike attack. And that basically finally proves Genomes' undoing, you know, or Dr. Pac-Man, and he is destroyed. Togo is returned to the real world, while X-Aid reverts back to Action Gamer Level 2, and he's a little confused, because he doesn't really remember transforming into the Mighty Brothers. And then the five riders join their hands, and they promise that they will meet again if the need should arise. And then there's this last-minute ER-type sequence where Takaru collapses from heart failure. But luckily, Emus, uh, Emos, Emos, Emus, Emos, Emus, Emos, non-stop. It? it really fucking is hard. <laughs> no, but but luckily, Emus non-stop CPR along with frantic crying and shaking of heads and you know bring back ash with the pokemon tears uh brings takaru back to life and you know after all he's got to keep that fucking promise he made not two seconds ago to join all these other riders we are then treated to the end credits with Haruto, of course, eating his trademark plain sugar donut, Shinosuke being assaulted with baby shower presents from his co-workers, great ending, Koda and, of course, my girlfriend, Mai, looking over the beauty of the planet Helheim. Togo. From behind. Togo yeah. enjoying. Yeah, you got to make it all bad and stuff. It still was a nice little moment. Togo enjoying time with his friends and the cast of Kamen Rider Ghost bidding their friends farewell. 
And then we end on solo shots of the various X-Aid cast and Emu treating a young boy. And then slapstick ensues with this last little end bit. And then, of course, there's another villainous end bit with Dan Caroto alongside Bugsters, Parado, and Graffito having created the new Gashat Perfect Puzzle, which is going to play a big role later in the X-Aid series. And that pretty much wraps up the film and yeah i mean that's common rider heisei generations dr pac-man versus x8 and ghost with legendary riders so yeah i i don't know if you have anything to say about sort of the conclusion of it and everything but i i'm not as hard on this as tony is like i i get like he was disappointed because it's not the really for reals guy but i think they they made do you know they they did the best with what they had i still was kind of pleased and happy to see Gaim, even if it was only in his suit mode. I'm kind of impressed that they got as many actors to return as they did. And, you know, being a big fan of, of Drive, you know, who knows, maybe that alleviates some of the butthurt from not having Coda's actor be there. But, I mean, I, I overall, I, I enjoyed the majority of this. I, I love the girl with the little short shorts. She's super cute, super hot. I mean, there, there's not... <laughs> There's not a whole lot for me to, you know, really complain about. I mean, I was given I was given Emu a hard time, but you know, he's he, he he's a fully formed character, and he's he's got to deal with a bunch of stuff, and he, he he's, he's incredibly likable. He, he, he he's really just is. he's just going through some of his inner doubt and everything, and I totally understand. And I'm I, all, all I'm saying is, even though I'm giving him a hard time during this review, it's it's all in good fun, and I I understand that there's some you know, serious aspect to to what he's going through as well. And, and you know, that extends into the series. And I suppose if I was reviewing it on an episode-by-episode episode basis, you know, I might continue to poke fun at him, but I also sort of understand it as well. But that's that's kind of my ultimate thoughts on the on the film. Well, well, well let, well, me, let me make something clear. While I was annoyed by the whole guy thing a little bit, again, with a second viewing, the movie's fine. The movie's totally fine, because... I, I, I am able to stand back and say that this is a X Aid and Ghost movie. And those are the two main characters. And honestly, like one of the things I really enjoyed was like, you know, yeah, Gaim had a good moment and he like beat like, you know, the the hot short shorts girl. But like the the ghost and X Aid fight was so good. And like you, Derek, I love Mighty Brothers, you know, double X. And to have that kind of maybe debut in a movie i mean we've watched the show i don't know if it was the movie first or in the series i can't remember but i love money brothers it's a great design it's really like something kind of new in common rider because it's not even like double they're like the same person mighty brothers what it reminded me of was we we almost see it in with wizard was when when wizard would be in dragon form he would go to dragon time and he'd make copies of himself and we'd have we'd have all four of the different dragon forms all fighting, and they had the he had the timer on his wrist, so they could only fight for a minute or whatever. But I think this this looks like it goes a little bit beyond that because it you know Haruto that was something he did consciously, whereas here when they split and you know when Emu splits into the Mighty Brother, he doesn't seem to know what the hell's going on afterwards. This form actually does play a big part in the series, but I will let you watch that for yourself if you'd like to. All right. The the thing I, I liked the reveal of him being you know the first one of the virus. Because to me, traditionally, a common rider should be you know the, the same as what they fight, right? 
you know, um, going to Kenshi Hongo way back in hallowed antiquity, he was created by Shocker, and then he escaped it. He fought the other cyborgs created by Shocker. Naruto was part of the ritual that created all the phantoms, but he repressed the phantom and became a wizard. This idea that he was, you know, that he was from the same origin as the things that he fight, that is perfect to me for Kamen Rider, because that's what Kamen Rider is, you know, and always has been, that kind of thing. Uh, have we, the, have the, we, have the we all final... watched uh, Kamen Rider Drive? Have we all watched it? I've, yeah, yes, I've watched okay. it. Okay, you've seen it too, Justin, right? Yes. Okay, well, I'm no, just make sure because I'm going to say something that's going to not going to spoil the audience, but that's why I like a certain writer in Common Rider Drive because he has that kind yeah. of story too. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it, I know exactly what you're talking about. His, that's his story completely, and they do some real interesting things with him early on too in that. But no, but no, I mean the the end of this I thought was you know the action was great. There's uh, the whole thing with Ghost and the you know the the legendary figures of Japanese history that was a little interesting. I don't yeah, know really yeah. what that's about. But it was cool. <laughs> it was like, hey, it's Nobunaga, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's yeah, kind of... But yeah, like, they have all these ancient Japanese, like, heroes from, like, the feudal era, and they're like, make Japan whole, and he's like, fuck yeah, I will. Uh, that, that's kind of Ghost's thing. You're not like, your dream. He, he kind of, he kind of takes on, I mean, when he wears those different hoodies, basically, it's like he's he's pulling from history, like, different different figures and then and then basically his form changes like that's i i remember the thing that i got a kick out of when i did you know expose myself to i don't know what it was like the first 12 episodes of ghost like one of those forms it's like instead of the orange hoodie he's got like the brown hoodie and basically he's in his his billy the kid mode you know like that's that's the ghost that he calls upon but it looks like in this case you know you had all these you know japanese historical figures who are basically combining to give him you know, one kind of super mode where it's basically like, you know, it, it'd be like basically like to put it in terms that we as Americans would understand, you know, it'd be like, all right, you got George Washington, you know, and Abe Lincoln, Lincoln <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, and Ben uh, Franklin, you know, yeah, and they're all <laughs> fused together, you know, and then it, it makes like this, you know, super robot or whatever, and you kick the shit out of the bad guy, you know, and that's basically that's what that sequence is kind of tantamount to. This movie was the, the debut for the Mighty Brothers Double X form. I, I, know, I know it's easy to get confused because we watch the series and then, you know, six or eight months later, like we get the movie subtitled. So I know I know it's easy for us to be like, well, when does this take place? But like, you know, like if we were living in Japan, we would have, you know, like it wouldn't be as fuzzy for us because we, we, you know, we could just go like watch the series, go watch the movie, come back, watch the series. And we'd be like, oh, OK, this this totally picks up from the movie and then we're going to continue it. But. I mean, I did have that problem at the very beginning because because I have seen old series and you know there's there's a certain XA character that shows up and I was like, oh man, like this is so early in the series because he's still here. Like I I almost forgot like when this takes place, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of easy to to forget that there's a you know when it comes to the movies we're you know we're we're a little delayed and it's easy to be like, wait, was did this appear first in the movie or did it appear in the series next? Yeah, and well, I, 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 I think we're safe to say though, Justin, if you're not a complete retard and like banged your head into a brick seven times, you don't think Dan Kuroto is a nice guy. <laughs> he, he he gets worse, but still, he's he's not he's not a good guy. <laughs> but I know, I know what you're talking about Justin, but like, yeah, yeah, it it does get fuzzy sometimes. Yeah. 
I uh, I did really enjoy the movie though. Like it was a lot of fun seeing the, you know, the quote unquote like legendary writers. Like the, it, they all they all had their little moment. Like they you know like you guys said they got to go through like numerous transformations and power ups and you know have a moment and defeat a bad guy. And you know like Tony said this is Ghost and X Age movie, and the very ending was focused on them and you know rightfully so. You know I I like that Ghost you know get a new power up and was able to defeat his guy because he was like you know holy crap i've got like eight hours left to kill this guy otherwise akari is going to be killed like he's not even thinking about himself it's like you know we know that he's going to die too but he's like that's not even a thought in his head he's like well i gotta he, kill he didn't this give guy. a shit yeah. yeah 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 derek alluded to it with the er bit at the end but i really like that that ghost was willing to give absolutely everything to save akari he would, yeah. would he would gladly lay down his own life to save her, and that that and, was and you know and, and and that gets back to what we were talking about when they were fighting Pac Man. You know that he's afraid to die, but he's way more afraid to see her die. You know, and that that's and 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 you know, even though he's he he knows you know to, to love his life and all that, and he, he cherishes it. He it's not worth it if he can't have Akari in it. So I I thought that was I really liked that about. It. I said Ghost comes off really good for me in this movie. He, he was very. You know, very, very intriguing and very appealing to me. I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to go back and give Ghost a chance because the first maybe 10 or 12 episodes, like, he's kind of a, I don't know, I, I want to say maybe like he's kind of wimpy, like he's kind of directionless and aimless and you, you don't really feel like sorry for him. You're like, okay, he's dead and he has like 90 some days to get these icons and come back to life. But he's so... He's so unskilled and kind of like wishy-washy. You're like you, 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 you don't really feel or care that much for him. But the great thing about it is, you know, you have fifty some episodes to develop the character, which they do. Like ten or twelve episodes into it, like you know, like most Cullen Rider series do, he kicks it up a notch, and he's more skilled. Like he knows what he wants. Like that was a big thing because he's talking to all these, you know, legendary figures, whether it's you know Houdini or Thomas Edison, they're all like, what are you going to do? Like, what's your goal? Like, what what is your purpose? And he's like, well, I don't know. And they're just like, well, you need to figure this shit out. And yeah. he he eventually does, and it totally changes his character because at the very beginning, he's just, you know, kind of wimpy, you know, guy just kind of like bumming along through life. And then, you know, the last time we see him, which is in this movie, you know, like Luke says, like he's he's willing to like give up his life and die to like save someone he cares about, like not even thinking about himself. I'm like, uh, like that's like what made me set up and go, you know what? I'm going to like go back and give this show a second chance because I've clearly missed some characterization here. Yeah. And, it, and it's interesting to, to hear that because that in a lot of ways is kind of the opposite of wizard because Haruto starts out the show very, very good at what he does. He knows how to use his magic rings. He knows how to use his powers he is he is a skilled individual, both uh, you know in, in his armor and out of his armor, and he is very well formed. So Haruto, he goes on a bit of an emotional journey rather than a character journey through the course of Wizard. You know he becomes you know his you know the, the stuff he has to go through kind of changes him. You know, some, but he's still kind of the same guy. It's just because he's such a well formed individual. Shinosuke is kind of the same way too. You know, we we see you know he's kind of lackadaisical about his police work, but deep down he he is a good police officer and he always is throughout the entire show. He just has to get his braining gear, you know. Yeah, straighten up that Kakugia, tie. 
Yeah, <laughs> and straighten up the tie. So that's interesting that that you know that he really does go on kind of a more of a, a character arc that the uh, ghost does. And that, and that does kind of remind me a bit of Gaim also because he definitely, you know, uh, Coda definitely goes on an yeah. arc of personal transformation throughout the throughout the series of Gaim as well. You know, one thing I will give Gaim a little bit of a pass on in this movie is he had a really fully formed arc. And his story was done, and that's really hard to go back to. I will give the writers credit on that. You know, he's, he's you know, God. So, like, it's hard to, like, you know, throw him in there and, like, you know, be like, okay, we have God. So, uh, <laughs> you know, like, what are we going to do with that? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm thinking but, we're just going to throw it into the sun. And... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I, I will give, like, leniency on that. But with uh, Haruto, he does have an ending. Yeah. And I think what is kind of interesting is like he's kind of doing this to be a good guy now. He's like, yeah, he, he's always been a good guy, but like him wanting to infiltrate the bad guys thing, he's like maybe even being more of a show writer. Right. He's he he he's that or a little bit kind of like uh, we've we've talked kind of obliquely about the metal heroes. A lot of the metal hero shows end with them just kind of wandering. You know, and, and you get the idea that, you know, Matalder is still out there somewhere writing wrongs in a small town in New Mexico or something, you know, like like a weekly ABC TV show back in the 70s. But, yeah, I think that you know, Harto was he was at a, a good place at the end of that movie. And you're right. I think he is now just kind of working freelance. You know, it's like if there's bad stuff going down and I can help, I will help, you know, because he still has, you know, he still obviously has all his magic and all that. That was never taken away from him. So yeah, I, I think he it's it's very much like a show rider. It's an idea that you know yeah the the even though my main story is done, I'm I'm still out there doing my thing. Just maybe you don't hear about it until it's a big crossover movie. Despite a lot of the trappings of Wizard that are very clear for the Heisei, it does play like a Showa one in a lot of ways, with the kind of the way that the villains work and stuff like that. So that's a, that that's a I think that's a fair assessment, and I think it's a good it's a good role to be in for a legendary rider. You know I mean Gaim it's well, we'll say being God, if he wants to come back, it's kind of easy. He just kind of says, oh, okay, I'll back, you know. You don't got to really worry about, well, how'd you know that? Well, I'm God, so you see. <laughs> yeah. thing about that, you know. <laughs> like, I want to give you, like, your time with Wizard, because I know you love Haruto. Also, with Derek, with Shinosuke, I think one of the strongest things about him was being a cop for so long in this movie and eventually getting Mr. Belto, you know, Mr. Belto-san. Like, I thought, I thought him being a cop and getting his ass kicked and not being able to transform was like a great, like you know, moment of dramatic tension. I mean, was it, I mean, I thought that was cool. I, yeah, I mean, like I, I, I sort of said my piece, but I mean, I, I definitely enjoyed all the different, you know, character arcs that were featured in this. And you know, I, I, I'm not very critical of of what I've seen. I, I think I've enjoyed, you know, you know, not just Shinosuke or or you know, Gaim or you know, I, I think I enjoyed Haruto and and. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but you could definitely you mean, but yeah, you definitely well. could feel you could definitely feel Shinsuke's frustration that he couldn't do anything. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Even though he's a police officer, he's out of his depth without his powers here. So yeah. or without his driver, I should say, but you know, so that was yeah, I agree. And 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 even just the little phone call with Kiriko, you know, there's a lot in that little scene. Especially knowing what we know about Shinsuke and knowing what we know about Kiriko, you know. Yeah, that's that's, that's what, that's what like, people call like like to call a moment, but it really was a moment because like, mm -hmm. you know, it's like oh man, they're together and they're having a baby and like you know like Derek said you know like 
yeah, he got the he got the hot chick, and it's not just like a hot chick. It's like they have a family. You know, he actually loves her, and they're like having a baby, and it's like it is. I mean, I'm sorry, but like I know it's common writer. We like punch people and explode, but it, it was really sweet. You know. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it does your it does your heart good to know he he you know he had a good woman and and you know they they are together and they're they're procreating and probably making more good people in the world. So that's 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 all good and happy stuff. I was a little surprised that he didn't get the heavy gravity bullets. Remember, because Kiriko uses those, she gets the heavy gravity <laughs> boots and the heavy gravity bullets. I thought I I thought for sure when he came in at the end before Gon came back, he was going to have that the gear. You know the 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 anti roid mute gear that they developed. Yeah, just as a cop. Yeah, just by himself. Yeah. Yeah. That that would have been that that would have been. Well, they they probably broke up that group after the roid mutes were defeated. Were defeated. So hot Doctor Rain is probably working on some other project somewhere. I, I was going to ask Justin one more thing. Your avatar is obviously Poppy People Po, who I know you think is adorable. I think so too. I think she's fucking adorable. How did you feel about her role in this movie? Because it is really early on. We we get you more know- about her. Yeah. You know what I noticed about this? And I, I don't know if you and Derek picked this up, but like there's this kind of odd digital modulation for her voice that is never used in the series. Did you guys notice that? Yeah, you know, if I watch it again for a third time, maybe, but no, I didn't really notice it. Uh, does she have yeah, like, I, I like can't a... I can't say I did notice it on on this is my second viewing of the film, but I can't say that I it stood out or that I noticed it. it it's just it's just something kind of subtle that I noticed. It's not like a huge change, it's just like a little digital ties maybe a little echoey slightly but i was just like oh that's that's kind of interesting that they would use something like that for the movie when the tv shows already had like you know 10 episodes or something i just thought that was weird but i mean you know she she doesn't have a lot of scenes she's kind of like the the ghost characters who are just kind of there to give a little exposition you know she's kind of important there at the beginning come out and be like oh this is this and blah 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 and you know she's kind of there at the end to kind of take akari like to the battlefield because she wants to see tenkuji like before he dies or whatever and i was just like oh she's uh, that kind of surprised me i was like oh she's actually gonna like take this woman who's clearly dying like to the battlefield so that she can watch her friend die i was like oh that's that's kind of an interesting choice for someone who is you know, part bugster, but also like part nurse. Like that, that's kind of an interesting choice that she made. But yeah, I was happy with her role. And, you know, she has uh, several scenes where she's, you know, very cute. Not, She's not like, you know, running around in, you know, hot shorts or anything, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably, probably people pose is definitely like a character you just like feel enamored with. Not because she's just cute, but because she's, she's such a nice character. She's so, you know good-hearted so i was just like wondering about that because yeah she does do that a lot in the series but anyway that, that's all my questions so like i don't care what you guys want to say because i'll listen to it and take it in but I, i'm this is not my goddamn podcast this is Derek's. <laughs> well you know like poppy peepopo is obviously got a very vibrant personality but I think all of us here are podcasters and have equally vibrant personalities. So before we sign off and, and head out, I'd like to give Luke an opportunity as our guest to let everybody know where people can find his vibrant personality on the interwebs. 
Thank you very much, Derek. I want to thank you once again for having me on. I'm always, always glad to be on Fan Holes. You know, it's 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 great just to hear another show talking about Tokusatsu, and you guys do such a great job covering. You know, I, I lean, like I said, very heavily on the Daikaiju side. You guys do a lot of the, the Henshin heroes and all that kind of stuff, and you do such a great job of it. It's always a blast to talk Henshin heroes, Common Rider, with you guys. You, my my main show is Earth Destruction Directive. As I said, is a Daikaiju podcast. If you're listening to this, I'm assume you, assuming you know that Daikaiju is Japanese giant monsters. And if you didn't know, now you do. And that can be found at Two True Freaks, which is twotruefreaks.com. This is Tokyo, once a city of six million people. What has happened here was caused by a force which, up until a few days ago, was entirely beyond the scope of man's imagination. Tokyo, a smoldering memorial to the unknown. An unknown which at this very moment still prevails and could at any time lash out with its terrible destruction anywhere else in the world. Hi folks, Luke Giaconetti here. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Do you like giant monsters, or as they're called in Japan, daikaiju? Monsters like Godzilla, Rodan, Gamera, King Ghidorah, or Mothra? Do you like more obscure monsters, such as Gappa or Yangari? Do you like giant heroes like Ultraman or super robots like the Shogun Warriors? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I think you might like my podcast, Earth Destruction Directive. I'm a dedicated fan of all things Daikaiju, and I'd like to share that with all of you. Please check out Earth Destruction Directive at twotruefreaks.com. Earth Destruction Directive, where we turn your Daikaiju dreams into city-smashing reality. I also am one of the co-hosts on The Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror, which is a horror film and horror general horror podcast, also available on Two True Freaks. I host that show along with my brother Jason, the hair metal hero Chris Tyler, and Tutu Freak OG Chris Honeywell. I have a Hawkman blog, which is almost never updated, but if you really want to go read about DC's Winged Wonder and my thoughts therein, you can head over to Being Carter Hall, all one word, blogspot.com for my Hawkman blog. And again, I want to thank everybody for, for letting me on tonight. This was a blast. This was a fun movie that I had not watched before, so this this was a lot of fun for me. If you've enjoyed listening to Toku Thursdays, we've got plenty of other spin-off shows. The aforementioned Comics Motherfucker, do you read them? We've got other spin-off shows like Sentai Saturdays, Transformers Tuesdays, Mobile Suit Mondays, Big in Japan, where we talk about anime, and our brand new show, Justice, not entirely like Lightning, a Thunderbolts podcast. So we've got all those cool spinoff shows for you to check out if you've liked this one. And if you did like this one, we hope you consider checking out all those various shows. And, of course, you can find us on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We can be streamed on Stitcher Radio. We're on iTunes. We would appreciate any feedback you can give us there for all the existing feedback, the likes, the notes, the retweets, and hearts, and shares, and all that good stuff. We greatly appreciate it. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, signing off. Orange Blossoms to the stage. This is Justin, and I'm in a people pop panic. 
this is Tony, and since Derek did that for me, I'll just say, nice drive. And this is Luke Giaconetti, and I just want to say, are you ready for some real magic? <laughs> Please. <Awesome>. Now. <laughs> and you guys didn't see it, but I did the little hand thing as well. I did that up there. <laughs> nice. like, little, hey. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we need to we need to get you on Comics Mofo with like some Hawk Band stuff. Like we need to we need to set that up in the near futures. That that would be fun, I think. Hawk yeah. World. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I met uh, I I met Tim Truman a few years back at at Heroes right. Con, and we talked Hawk World for like you know like just 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 like fifteen straight minutes. He he's, he is he's a, a he nice was, he's yeah yeah he's a nice guy. I, I think when I when I met him, I had him sign my Two Gun Mojo poster. But yeah, like mm. I could imagine you talk about um, talk about Hawkworld for 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 days, you know. Yeah, I got I had him sign the original three issue miniseries. And, and for the record, I don't I don't hate Hawkworld. I think it's a good series. Yeah. No, no, I I know I'm 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 agreeing with you. I just the the that that was funny because that was the same Heroes Con that I met Art Adams, and I had okay. him sign my Godzilla Color Special which is my first Godzilla comic and my absolute favorite. I've read that comic hundreds and hundreds of times. And I'll never forget it because he was amused as all get out. He's like, you're the only guy that's brought me Godzilla this whole weekend. (laughs) (laughs) For the love of God. Well, Derek, you got his uh, autograph too, right? Yeah, yeah. But I I think I probably uh, brought... Well, you know what was interesting was the the first year I met Art Adams, I, I did the... Uh, those kind of lithographs where it's like the you know the classic um sort of marvel universe you know sort of the dawn of the marvel universe with like a group shot of all the characters and then the other lithograph was the it's kind of like that combination like classic x-men meets x-factor shot where it's like you know the the sort of i guess 80s x-men with with x-factor in the background but what i had brought for him to sign but i forgot about were two things was uh for for there's a legends the imprint legends has uh there was like a poster i think it came with like wizard or something and my goal i don't know if i'll ever you know accomplish it but my goal was to have all the legends creators sign you know their creations so like i've so like i've got dave gibbons from martha washington i've got jeff darrow for big guy and rusty and i've got o'brien i've got arthur adams for monkey man and o'brien now i'll probably i'll probably and i've got mike mcnola for hellboy but i'll probably i don't know i'll probably be hard pressed to get frank miller and john byrne but you know we'll see if if something like that comes up i would i would hopefully remember to bring that to, to get them to sign that as well and then there was a um there was a WonderCon that was a convention that used to be in Oakland, but now it's usually in Anaheim. But uh, when I went to one of the WonderCons, he did a cover for one of their programs, and Justin would like this because it's it's kind of like the Golden Age Batman with Namor and uh, the you know Jim Hammond Human Torch, and mm-hmm. so they're all in one picture and everything. Cool. And and so I have like I don't know you know what I should do I should send that to you next time I um I think of it because because um I've got like 
three or four of them because I think you know they gave one of the programs to me and my parents when we went or whatever. So one of those I have signed and I just sort of like ripped off the cover and put it in a frame or whatever. But I know I've got like extras of that lying around, so I should send that to you at some point. But Hello. Hey. Hey. How do I sound this week? Uh, like super echoey. Well, fuck. <laughs> are you like in the bathroom or in the washing machine or something? Like, where are you? <laughs> I'm in the kitchen. Maybe your kitchen is super echoey. I don't know. Well, make us a sandwich and get out of there. 